It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Welcome to all listening today. I pray you are well. Let me begin today's program by encouraging every listener to vote in the upcoming election. First, I suggest that you do not vote for or against any given personality. For after all, personality is not as important as policies. Second, vote not for a who, but rather vote for a what. That is, the type of life you want to be living a decade from now, the kind of country your children and grandchildren could enjoy, something that is closer to the life that the Bible recommends, the what that gives the most freedom for people to be able to worship. Third, I encourage you to vote that you are speaking for those who cannot speak for themselves. Proverbs 31, verse 8. The Bible has a definite prohibition against shedding innocent blood. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 says seven things that are an abomination to God, including those whose hands shed innocent blood. We may differ whether or not the baby in the womb is a human being, But two things we do know for certain is that the blood of the unborn is innocent and in an abortion, the baby's blood is definitely shed. In case it's not obvious, I am definitely pro-life. I cannot see how any Christian can vote for any party that condones abortion. That issue alone is why I switched party affiliations in the 1980s. In the last episode, I gave some details about my conversion to Christ. I said I came to Christ when I was 11 years old because I trusted my mother and the minister with whom I had been talking. Now, After all these years, I'm still a Christian because I have experienced something I don't want to give up, a relationship, a contentment, a hope, an assurance, a dream, a peace, a joy, a righteousness, a security, and a home. Now I believe Christianity is true, not because it works for me, but because I have investigated its core claims 
and discovered there are good reasons to believe they are true. Ravi Zachariah said, I came to him because I did not know which way to turn. I remain with him because there is no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have. I remain with him because I have something I will not trade. I came to him as a stranger. I remain with him in the most intimate of friendships. I came to him unsure about the future. I remain with him certain about my destiny. That's found in his book, Jesus Among Other Gods. In the last episode, I discussed reasons six and seven among a total of eight reasons why Christians should be involved in pre-evangelism slash apologetics. The eighth reason is biblical evidence encourages it and supports it. When addressing believers in God, the Bible writers do not reason as they do with unbelievers, and much of the Bible is addressed to believers. However, when either the believer's confidence is shaken or when the unbelievers are addressed, God's existence is not assumed but supported by evidence. Apologetic reasoning is not minimized in the Bible. It is vividly exemplified by prophets, apostles, and Jesus himself. Consider these instances. First, in Exodus, when God was delivering the Israelites from Egyptian slavery, Pharaoh was not asked to assume God's existence, but was given the signs of the plagues. Second, in Elijah's victory over the 50 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, Elijah proposed to put the conflicting truth claims to the test. He said, You call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. That's found in 1 Kings 18, verse 24. Hours of sincere prayer to Baal made no observable difference. But in response to Elijah's request that the people might know that the Lord was God, fire fell upon the drenched altar and consumed the sacrifice. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. That's found in 1 Kings 18, verse 39. Again, the Bible did not presuppose the existence of God, but recorded evidence indicating it. In the polytheistic city of Athens, before the Areopagus, the Apostle Paul set forth truth claims concerning the one true God. He said, God commands all men to repent. 
And he warned every one of them that they would be judged. Was this his private presupposition? Hardly. He appealed to evidence. He said, quotes, He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. That is, God raised the appointed one to judge from the dead. That's found in Acts 17, verses 30 through 31. The use of apologetic reasoning is equally clear when Christian claims concerning Christ are under investigation. The imprisoned John the Baptist sent a follower to Jesus asking this, Are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? Jesus did not reply that his office of Messiah was to be accepted by an irrational leap of blind faith. No, Jesus said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. And Jesus offers six evidences. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. That's found in Matthew 11 verses 2 through 5 from the Revised Standard Version. The fifth reason, when Jesus' own word was questioned, He pointed that the miraculous works would bear witness to him. The Father had sent him and was in him, and he was in the Father. That's found in John 5, verses 36 and chapter 10, verse 38. The sixth reason, Christian apologetics, has a wide-ranging biblical basis for its practice. God is a God of reason. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, the Lord says, Come now and let us reason together. I have said on multiple occasions on defending and commending the faith that God has created human beings made in the image of God with the capacity to reason. We can find references to this in Genesis 1, verses 27, chapter 5, verse 2, Psalms 148, verse 5, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. So surely God intends for us to utilize the gift of reason to test the truth claims that daily confront us. The Bible is filled with exhortations to use our reason. Jesus told Thomas to take a step of faith on the basis of good physical evidence that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead in John chapter 20, verse 27. Notice Jesus did not encourage Thomas to take a blind leap into the dark, nor did Jesus say, you shall not think as one of his commandments. Solomon says he applied his heart to know, to search out wisdom, and the cause of things in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 25. You have to use reason to know, to investigate, and to determine the cause of something. Jesus commanded, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. Matthew 22, verse 37. Luke writes in Acts 1, 3, To whom also he, Jesus, showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days after the resurrection, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. On at least four occasions, we see Paul making a case for the Christian faith to unbelievers from different religious backgrounds, using different approaches. He started where they were and took them where they needed to go. First, in Acts 14, verses 8 through 18, to the pagan, Paul uses nature. Second, in Acts 17, 2, uh, verses 10 through 34 and 18, verse 4 and 9, Paul is speaking to the Jews, and there he reasoned with them from the scriptures in the synagogue in Thessalonica, Berea, and in Athens, and those who were in the marketplace also in Athens. That can be found in Acts 17, verse 17. And later, with the philosophers on Mars Hill, that's in Acts 17, verses 22 through 31. And there he won some converts to Christ, in verse 34. Then, number three, in Acts 24, 10 through 21, Paul is speaking to the Greek governor Felix, and there he uses reason. In Acts 26, verses 12 through 32, before King Agrippa, he uses the words of Jesus in verses 14 through 18. Apologetics is an English word derived from the Greek noun apologia, translated defense, as found in eight scriptural passages in the New Testament. In four of these passages, it is Paul himself that is being defended. That can be found in Acts 22, verse 1, 25, verse 16, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 3, and 2 Timothy 4, verse 16. In one passage, it is the recipient of Paul's letter that has given a defense and been vindicated in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 11. And in three cases, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is being defended. That can be found in Philippians 1, verse 7 and 17, and 1 Peter 3, verse 15. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.